Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are living that OTA life as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 137. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Eagles linebacker Corey Nelson about a number of topics, including his transition to the NFL earlier in his career, the toughest parts about playing the linebacker position, and a whole lot more. I had a ton of fun really getting into the weeds of the linebacker spot with Corey, so I hope you guys enjoy and learn a lot from him in that segment. Next up, we'll get into scouting report where I go through my notes on one of the Eagles' undrafted free agents, and that's defensive end Joe Osman, a player I watched late in the pre-draft process and who I think could make some waves this summer. But before we get into all that with Joe Osman, let's not waste any more time. I caught up with linebacker Corey Nelson after practice this week. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Pleased to be joined by Eagles linebacker Corey Nelson. Corey, uh, only a handful of current Eagles have been on the show, so I appreciate the time here during OTAs uh, to join us and just talk some ball. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. I feel honored. First of all, let me say that, yeah, to, to you know, be one of the select few. Well, I'm excited, man, because um, you, know, you play a position at linebacker that you know I've had – Seth Joyner and Ike Reese, and there are a bunch of guys that have been on the team in recent years that have come on, and it's a fun position to talk about because there's just so much going on every single play. Yeah. And the first thing I want to ask, and I, I try to ask this to everybody, what is the one part of playing linebacker that is the most difficult that you feel like fans or maybe people on the outside don't necessarily think about as being a difficult part of playing the position? You know what I mean? Like, what's the most like underrated part in terms of being difficult? Yeah. Oh, man. Can I say two things? Yeah, that are, you can. Uh, first is getting the call okay. and, like, making sure everybody else gets the call. Sure. Like, a lot of fans don't know that. Like, one person is giving the call to ten other guys. Mm-hmm. And that can be kind of stressful sometimes, especially if you get the call late and you got to make sure you line up the D line, you got to line them up. That can be stressful. And then the second thing is uh, being able to understand running pass because yeah. there's two different, there are two totally different responsibilities, yes. two totally different responsible jobs that you have to do. Right. So take us through that. So on a, on a given play, um, and you don't need to get anything in terms of specifics of the scheme or anything, but even going back to your days in Denver and Oklahoma. On a given play, you may be like a hook defender in zone coverage or you may be an A-gap player, and you have to decide within like a half second, like are you flying forward into the A-gap or are you dropping eight yards back into coverage? Yeah, that's – and it, first, before you even decide all of that, you have to look at your keys, you know, mm-hmm. what the what the guard, center, and tackle is doing, mm-hmm. you know, and what the back is doing as well because you're going to be off of him based off your, the way you're dropping uh, in your hook coverage. Uh, it can It can be – stressful you know you really have to be zoned in and focused in on what on what your job is um it really starts with you know reading you know okay what's the guard doing is he dropping back you know in pass setting on the d lineman or is he trying to climb up to us you know those things play a huge part in in whether your run pass key is is efficient or not so let me ask you this question because this is something that i personally have like kind of I'm trying to like hone in on this when I'm watching linebackers at college right because I watched you coming out of Oklahoma and you spent a lot of time you spent some time stacked 
But you spent a lot of time like over the tight end. You lined up in the slot. A lot of guys now, you see that they're playing out in space. That's just that's today's game, especially in college with the wide hashes. When you ha- when you play that kind of role in college, was it a, was it difficult for you making that transition to the league where you were primarily stacked, like in terms of reading those keys, like down in, down out, or was it? I've I've heard talk with some guys. I talked with um, James Laurinaitis a couple of years ago, and he was like, "No, like those guys that come out and they play in space, like." It's great because they're making those same keys, but from further distance. So now you almost like, yeah, you're seeing it from a different vantage point, but it's happening faster. So, like, how did you view that when you were making the transition to the league? Oh, man. My rookie season, it was kind of tough for me, um, especially playing, you know, in the box. Mm. Uh, it was hard because I, I wasn't really, really used to that. Like you said, it was a different yeah. point of view, sure. you know, looking at it from the inside instead of looking at it from the outside. I was right. inside now, so I had yeah. different keys to read. Um, so it was it was difficult. But as time went on, I found out, you know, that it, it all correlates. Mm. It's all the same, especially uh, in our defense, in our scheme, the Sam, the Mike, and the Will, they all are synopsis. You know, they, they can go – they're ambidextrous. They, sure. you know, you can you can use them either way. They're all the same, um, and they all have the similar responsibilities. Gotcha. So, like when you see guys, like if, so, if I'm watching a player, and you know whether he played safety or he was like an overhand guy, he played in the slot. That transition, maybe inside. I mean, there is a transition, but it's not something that you would say like, oh yeah, like that's going to be really difficult for him. It's going to keep him from being a great player in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah the, it, the transition is normally easy. The reason my transition wasn't good because I wasn't focused on ball. You know, I'm just going to be honest. Okay. Like that's what I wasn't in my playbook like I was supposed. To. If I was, yeah. then it would have been easy. So yeah, the transition it, it isn't hard at all um, for guys like that because ball is ball. Mm-hmm. You know, your keys are your keys. They'll never change. You know, yeah. they haven't changed since Pop Warner. So what were the other, when you made that transition, what were some of the other things that you kind of had to get used to playing closer to the ball? Being able to shed blocks. Okay. That's uh, a guy um, I wanted to ask you about this. Yeah, topic, that's, so okay. that's, that's huge. You know, um, being inside the box, you got to be able to get off blocks. You got to be able to uh, take on blocks as well. You know, you got to be strong enough to be able to stay in your gap. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get bimmed out of your gap or, or moved out of your gap. Um, it's very important that that, that, that is one of the most important things that a linebacker has to do, you know, is be able to take on blocks efficiently and to be able to get off of them to make the play. It's it's interesting. So, like, one of the, the features that I produce on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, it's uh, old school all 22. So I go back and I'm looking at how linebackers were in, like, the, the 80s and the <laughs> 90s and 2000s, and I'm watching it was a play from LeVon Kirkland. All right, so this was the 2003 Eagles, I believe. He's number 93. I mean, this guy was, like, 265. Oh, man. Right, playing, playing Mike. And he'd come down, and they just they don't they don't they don't build them like that anymore for that position. Yeah. So how you take on and defeat blocks then is so much different than what it is now. What what are some of the biggest things that you need to be able to do to do that at a high level in the NFL right now? I mean, you know, you were talking about Levon Kirkman. Like going back to those days, those guys they'll tell them, you know, run straight into them and try to blow them up as hard <laughs> as you can. You know, you you can't really right. do that now. Yep. You know, uh, you got guys like me. You know, two thirty five. Uh, 240, you know, can't really do that or, or, you know, don't have that much weight to be able to knock a lineman back like that. Um, so we're, we're always taught, you know, to use our hands, you know. Um, our hands are, are, are our keys. You know, they, they protect us. They keep us safe when we're out there. Um, use your hands to shock, lock, release, you know, to get off the block um, and, and to be able to use your feet as well. You know, got to be able to move because sure. linemen like to cut too. So, yeah. you know, you got to be able to move your feet and um, keep them going. So, yeah. What do you think is the most important athletic? Because you're obviously a very athletic guy. What's the most important athletic trait to be a successful NFL linebacker? Speed. 
Okay. Yeah, man, you gotta you gotta have some type of speed. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm learning, that. especially now in today's time. How you were saying in college, it's like more spread out, and now in the NFL, it's spread out. You know, mm-hmm. they run a lot of spread offenses now. Um, every now and then, you know, they'll get into those big packages, 22, 12 personnel. Um, but predominantly, it's all sub spread out. You know, you cover this guy. You cover this guy. We're going to see what you got. You know, motion mm-hmm. him out and empty. Um, you got to be able to have speed, yeah, yeah, especially at the position that we play. How do you view, because with so much sub and with the way that offenses are playing now, and you, you're starting to see, like, so much more variance now in terms of sub package and how things look. How do you think that's going to look in, like, five, seven years? <laughs> I'm going to ask you, put, put your, like, Man, your, your thinking cap on. Like, you, what, how do you think it's going to look five, seven years from now? The, the way things are going, I think it's only going to be one mm-hmm. linebacker and all DBs, yeah. you know? And if you want to be a linebacker in the NFL, you know, five, ten years from now, you're going to be able to have D- – you got to have DB skills. You know, yeah. got to be able to have ball skills. you got to be able to know how to backpedal. Yeah. you got to be able to know how to speed turn. Like, all those things. you got to be able to yeah. know how to break on the ball, you know, at a certain angle, catch the ball. Um, I feel like it's it's getting to that, you know? The, the game is really getting to that, especially now with all the safety rules that are coming into play, sure. you know, and – Guys don't want to get fined, you know. They don't want to get penalties, you know. Especially in big games, you yep. don't want to get a 15-yard penalty, you know, and that sets you back if you're offense or sets you back uh, if you're on defense. You end up losing the game. Um, so I feel like the game is really transitioning to more of uh, speed. Mm. You know, it's all about speed now. It's not. It's not so much about power. You know, those guys like Levon Kirkman, you know, who's 290 yeah, right. out there. You know, <laughs> slaughtering I'm linemen. Ta- he looked like a, I, it was just so jarring because you're so used to watching like today's game. I turn on the film, I go to the first end zone copy, and you see number 93, first of all. Yeah. And like, you don't see 93. And, and it, you see his calves. Like, you see his – like it's oh, just, it's huge. It was, the guy was gigantic. Yeah. It was, it, was really, it was really funny to see. So you talked about playing in coverage. We know that you know, physically you need to have the, the lateral quickness. You need that change of direction. You need the speed to be able to play out in space man-to-man. What are some of the mental things that you need to be able to be a successful man-to-man player uh, as a linebacker? You got to be smart, you know. If the linebacker is the quarterback of mm. the of the defense, like that, when they say that, that that is so true. Right. You got to be smart. You got to be able to know the game. You got to have knowledge of of you know what the coach is giving you to call out to the defense and how to run it. Mm. And when there's a motion or a shift or a change, you got to be able to know. Okay, what do we do now? Um, because we have certain adjustments that we need to make. Sure. Yeah, so you, you definitely have to be in your playbook, and you have to be knowledgeable of the game. You have to understand um, where your leverage is, you know, who you can cover. I mean, where you, where you can cover um, your guy, whether it's inside leverage or outside leverage, based on where the safety help is or the linebacker help is. Um, you have to be able to know those things, and it's, you have to be smart. So you're a good example of a guy who's got great play speed and great time speed. What's the difference between play speed and time speed in your uh, in your estimation? When you talk about time speed, you're talking about like combine, like sure. forty times. You yep. know, guys like around four fours, four fives. Um, play speed is different. It, it's when you're out there, like on the field, and you know they throw the ball in the flat. You know how fast can that guy get there? It's totally different. You yep. got some guys who can run straight line speed, time speed way fast but can't really go sideline to sideline or a 45-degree angle to get to the ball yeah. uh, at an efficient time. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like play speed is way more important than time speed. No question. Um, if your play speed is fast, then you're, you're, you're fast. Yeah, that's what, like, you know, 
especially this time of year. Like we're, we're doing this in May. So we're only a couple of months removed from like the combine and the draft process and everything. And everybody, they, you see guys work out at the combine and now everybody falls in love. It's like, Oh, this guy's got four, four speed at two thirty. I'm like, yeah, but you watch him and he, he plays like a guy who's four, six. Yeah. That's what's, that's what's most important. And that's, I mean, it's, it's tough to kind of shake that when you're trying to project them moving forward. It is. And you know, a lot of people look at the at the time speeds and and that's just that's just where we are you right. know you can't i mean you know that's that's just what nfl likes you know no they, they like time speed guys um but i feel like once you're in the nfl your play speed definitely excels you you know to mm-hmm. a whole nother level cuz i mean you lose that that time speed you know over mm-hmm. time yeah no question so let me let me ask you this when you have uh, obviously you've been around the league now for a few years You've dealt with a lot of rookies that have come in, and you know you're working with those guys this time of year in the spring through the summer. What are some of the things that you see? Kind of, yeah, it's obviously a case by case basis. But what are some of the th- things you see across the board that young guys typically have the most trouble with when they're making that transition? I would say learning the defense. You know, being able to study and learn the defense, and to be able to understand that you may not be a starter when you first get in, you know. Um, those positions are normally given to first-rounders. Yeah. You know, everybody else after that, um, you have to fight for a spot on special teams. That was you. Yeah, that was me, yeah. Right. Like, I, I've learned that. And um, I know a lot of guys, when they come in, are like, man, I'm supposed to be starting. You know, I started in college. Mm. It's not supposed to be like this. But in actuality, you know, it is. Like, that's that's the way the NFL is. Yeah. You know, you have to earn – their trust. You have to earn the coach's trust. You have to earn, you know, the respect to be able to to be a starter. And it all starts with special teams. And I feel like a lot of guys kind of forget about that or don't understand that, right. you know, special teams is where you're going to make it at in the NFL when you first get in if you aren't a first-round pick. Did, did you play uh, special teams at Oklahoma? I did, yeah, for a short period. Yeah, yeah I, I played um, my senior year and junior year, and then I played um, my freshman year. I play. I always lot. find it interesting, like seeing the the different programs and coaches that handle that differently. Like there, you know, I I, I worked with uh, with Al Gold and his staff when before they went down to Miami uh, when I was at Temple, and his big thing was starters have to play special teams. And then you see, like you look around, and there are some programs that are that. Like I know Mark Brick is that way down in Miami now, um, and there are some that don't feel that way. And it's like, hey, like I want I'm saving my my starters. Let's get some of these other young guys, the big-time recruits. This is their chance to kind of prove themselves. And it's interesting because I can see the argument on both sides of it. Yeah, no, you, I can definitely see it too. Yeah. You know, it is – I think at the end of the day it comes down to the player. Yeah. You know, it comes down to, the, to that player understanding, okay, if I don't play special teams, you know, while I'm in college and I get into the NFL and it's like, whoa, they want me to play all these special teams, you know, all four phases, you have to understand – Put your pride aside and know that okay, I'm not. I'm doing this so I can stay on the team. You know, I'm doing this so I can play, get my opportunity to show people what I can do on special teams, and then when my opportunity comes on defense, I can shine. Um, That's what it all boils down to. I feel like it's a it's a it's a self thing, you know. And a lot of guys are too prideful, you know, coming out of college um, that didn't you know play special teams in college. So let's uh, let's bring it back to defense, and I don't want you to give away like any secret sauce or anything, but. Uh, what's your favorite part so far within a couple months now uh, of the Jim Schwartz scheme and what you've kind of been able to learn so far from being here in Philadelphia? Man, my favorite, I would say, uh, the zone coverages. 
Okay. Yeah, I love the zone coverages. Um, being in Denver, we ran a lot of uh, man coverage, mm. a lot of match. You know, even yeah. if it was quote unquote a zone coverage, we still matched. Turn we, it man, yeah, yeah, we turned it like man. It was still man. Yep. It ended up being man. So um, that's a huge improvement. You know, mm. and, and I, I like that. I like being able to play zone and to be able to sit back and to let the D line eat. You yep. know, I'm enjoying that. That's that's pretty awesome. So, so when you said when you guys played a lot of man, was that with Wade Phillips or was that with Vance Joseph or was it with both schemes? It was primarily man. It was with both schemes. Okay. Yeah, um, Wade Phillips and um, Joe Woods was the defensive coordinator after Wade Phillips yeah. left, and we we only changed a little bit of stuff, uh, but it was still predominantly man match coverage mm. the, the whole time. The whole yeah, yeah the whole game. Interesting. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously this scheme here, you know, everyone likes to say the attack, one-gap scheme, uh, you know, and Wade Phillips, one-gap, three-four. Not a lot of one-gap, three-four schemes in the NFL. Were there big differences or was it – I mean, obviously the, the biggest difference, I guess, is just the alignment of the defensive line. But as a linebacker, were there big differences for you? No. Looking at it now, you know, understanding the game and understanding concepts, yeah. it, it's not a big difference, especially, you know, how, how they – how here, how we run um, – our our fits and our run fits, you know, we we use the safety a lot, mm. and even in Denver, you know, they use the safety a lot. Yep. Um, it's very similar, you know. You just got to know where your help is, yeah. and yeah, it's it's very identical when it comes to that. That's what, like, you know, when you switch because we were before uh, Jim Schwartz and the new staff got here, it was a two gap team, and you know, when when they, when they made the switch over, we tried to teach fans to look. Any DBs that come here, like they've got to be able to tackle. And they're like, oh, but you, you know, you, who cares if your DBs can tackle? Like, no, like. Your DBs in a one-gap, they're part of the run fit. Like, there's only – the reason that's one-gap versus two-gap, if each player's got one gap, there's only so many gaps that can go around. Like, you need those safeties to be able to come up and fill it. Even if they're a D-gap player on the outside, they got to be able to fit the run. Yeah, that's so true. They have to, you know. And even when we were in um, – when I was in Denver – um, it was like that. Mm-hmm. And we got exposed, you know, a few times, a couple of games. Um, I remember playing Oakland and um, Kansas City a few times. They would expose that. Mm-hmm. You know, they would try to make the corners tackle. Yeah. They fit everything, make us fit everything up and make it bounce outside to them and see what they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same in this defense. You know, the, they have to tackle, yeah. Mm-hmm. They have to be able to know how to tackle. And, and if they do, the defense is going to be great. And luckily for us, you know, we have great DBs and great corners here. So let me ask you one last question. Uh, is this an innate trait where like you're kind of born with this, or is this something you feel that people can improve on going into the NFL with more reps? Navigating through traffic, I feel like, is something that I've really kind of like been drawn to with linebackers. Is something that I feel separates like good from great, good from okay. You know, like, guys that when the ball is snapped and it's a perimeter run and there's all kinds of bodies and they're able to uh, stay clean, get through traffic, and just stay square to the line of scrimmage and get to the football. Is that something you feel is like you're born with that and you just happen to kind of naturally have that knack? Or is that something you feel like can be improved on with, with more reps? Ah, it's tough. I'm um, on the spot. You are, man. <laughs> I feel like you're referring to instincts. A little bit. I think so. Is it instincts that I you kind of so. t- I think I to me like I think it's instincts. Yeah, I if think it's, it's instincts. Yeah, I feel like you have to be born with that. Yeah, like I instincts so you have to be born with. So in this sense, you I think you have to, you have to be born with being able to do that, you know, being able to know where certain guys are fitting and just feel and feel just where they are and just yeah. and you know, you just get over the top and then make the tackle. Like yeah. that's that's an instinct thing. Yeah, I feel like you definitely have to be born with that. Yeah. You definitely have to be born and, and, and taught to be able to 
play that way. That's what I, th- I feel like. Like uh, think of it as like uh, vision for a running back. Like, yes, guys. You know, people say like, "Oh, you're born with vision," or you're not. Like, I feel like it's the same. Yeah, way. I feel like it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it's either you got it. Or you don't, right? And and you could overcome you it. Can if overcome you can overcome it, yeah. yeah. You know, if you if you study the game a little bit more and study offenses right. and know like what they like to run in these certain formations, and you're like, okay, if they run this in a certain formation, I know I got to get over the top. Yeah. If they run this, I know I I got to spill it and get underneath the block. You know, right. um, it can definitely be. I think it's a little bit of both. It can it can definitely be taught, but it just takes a little bit more studying. Um, Luckily for me, I, I I'm kind of pretty instinctual. Instinctual, I would like to think so myself. So I um, yeah, I, I think I was was born with it. I I would agree with you. Yeah. All right, Corey, I appreciate it, man. I don't want to keep him too much longer. Let you get some lunch. I appreciate the time here on the Eagle Island Sky podcast. Man, thank you for having me. It's an honor. Great stuff from Corey. You can follow him on Twitter just like I do at C underscore N-E-7-S-O-N. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know that I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give us a rating or even leave us a comment. We've had a ton of of comments on Apple Podcasts recently. I am extremely behind on giving shout-outs to all of you. So here's a handful so I can try and catch up. Got to give some love to Big Jed Cakes, who can't get enough of the show. Thanks so much to AJC53, who commented saying how much they learned from the podcast. So thank you, Alan. Mike Densler commented saying he listens every single week. Hashtag Go Local Sports 1. Called it a must-listen. And Sadman12345 thinks that Greg Cosell and I should get our very own TV show. I don't know if that'll happen to Sadman, but I do appreciate you listening. So thanks to all of you guys and all of you out there for commenting and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep the show going. Over the next few episodes, before we get into training camp, I'll be taking a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the Eagles' undrafted free agents and what they will be able to show this summer at training camp this summer. So make sure you keep an eye out for those guys. This week, we're going to start with defensive end Joe Osman. He is the subject this week in our scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Joe Osman, 6'2", even, 253 pounds. So very short. He's got really short arms. And honestly, I think his lack of size is the reason why I believe he went undrafted because I personally thought he was a draftable player. When I watched him late in the process, I thought he'd be taken somewhere in the fifth or sixth round. So I thought the Eagles really got a bargain when they got him an undrafted free agency. Here's what you need to know. Yeah, he's undersized, but he led the country this year with 14 sacks. He was a first-team All-Mac player in the process. Central Michigan, it was his only offer out of high school, and he repaid the favor for them by being extremely productive throughout the course of his career. He finished with 27 sacks in his career, 45.5 TFLs, both really strong numbers entering the NFL. He was a high school tight end and linebacker, so made the transition to the end, obviously successfully. He was a big-time wrestler in high school, three-time state champ in Michigan, won 141 matches in a row. So you know this kid, A, has a good idea of how to use his hands and B, how to win the leverage battle on contact. So here's what I saw from Osman on film. Okay, a three-year starter at defensive end. He lined up to the boundary, all right, so to the short side of the field in their 4-3 scheme, mainly as a 7 or a 9 technique, so outside the tackle in a three-point stance, but he did stand up at times, so really short, squatty, muscular frame. He's kind of maxed out in terms of how he's built. But this kid, to me, really good football player. He times the snap very well. He's got impressive reaction quickness. Pretty fluid athlete. He's able to 
shoot gaps and make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage. He's got the flexibility to turn and run the hoop and finish at the quarterback with a strong closing burst active and crafty with his hands, and he mixes things up as a pass rusher with a very deep toolbox of moves. His go-to move is a very effective hand swipe. Ironically, I actually saw him execute that move out of practice today with a, a couple times to be able to beat uh, whoever the offensive tackle was across from him, but that's far from his only weapon. I've also seen him win with a well-timed chop move, so he knocks the, the defender's hands down, violent spin move, very decisive club swim move. He'll work in a long arm at times on twists, so he you know, he's got a really deep toolbox to go speed to power. He's got the bull rush. He's got the speed rush as well. But this guy can string multiple moves together to beat consecutive blockers. He's used to dealing with double teams in the MAC. Flash the ability to spin off contact when he's blocked high side. So, you know, he's just a really smart, savvy pass rusher. Very experienced running all kinds of stunts and loops and, you know, different things in terms of how he's going to be able to attack the quarterback. Doesn't have long arms at all, but he will lock his arms out and drop his anchor. I mentioned he's got a bit of a maxed out frame. So he's, a, he's really strong at the point of attack, and he can win that leverage battle. He keeps his hands tight. He plays with a really high effort. So really good, fun football player to watch. Things to watch from a negative standpoint, yeah, I mentioned the size. He tends to fall step on his get-off. He doesn't have a really explosive first step. So he's not a guy that's going to win just off the, the upfield initial movement either. Um, lack of size will hurt him, obviously. He's not overly strong. Lacks any semblance of power right now on contact. He's not going to shock offensive linemen as soon as he gets his hands on him. Uh, when blockers they when blockers get their hands on him right away, he can struggle to get off a little bit. And he needs to get a little bit faster at transitioning to that counter move. But this is a kid that, to me, I think he could play for a long time in the NFL. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter, but he's got the makeup to be one. I don't know that he's got the length or the first step to be considered that necessarily, but a good football player. Coaches are going to love him because he's got that high effort. He's got the ability to compete. He has a really deep toolbox in terms of rushing the quarterback. He knows how to use his hands. So I mentioned the athleticism as well. He's more quick than he is explosive. But I think this kid's an interesting player. I think he could be a nice backup at the NFL level. We'll see how he does here this summer. But great stuff today from Corey Nelson. All of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, one last time, take a few seconds. Go rate the show. Leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there as well because I would love the ability to answer it here on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.